0: You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Scripture reading for this afternoon is taken from Matthew 16, the verses 13 to 28. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, who do you say, or who do the people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what he has done. I tell you the truth. Some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. The text for this afternoon you will find in Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, there are a lot of things that are not right. A lot of things that are out of joint. For instance, in the world. After the Holocaust in Rwanda, or the genocide in Rwanda, the world said, never again. Slowly but surely, another Holocaust or... Genocide is taking place in Darfur. It's not right. It's out of joint. And sad to say, sometimes there are things that are not right in the church of God as well. And sometimes things are not right in our own families. Sometimes, in our marriages, things are not right. Even in our own individual, personal lives, things can be out of joint. They're just not the way God would want them to be. And really... We're honest with ourselves. They're not the way that we would want them to be as well. And we all have this desire to want to put things right. Because when things are not right, it causes pain. Imagine if my arm was out of joint that would cause me pain and I probably would go somewhere where someone would put that arm back into joint again and hopefully I would be relieved of my pain and discomfort. It's the same with all the things that are out of joints and just not right. And so we want to put things right. But we should always ask ourselves are we putting things right in God's way? In two weeks time I understand this congregation will be celebrating the Lord's Supper. It's not my intention to to preach the preparatory sermon for that celebration. But you may want to ask yourself, a week before you usually do, am I putting things right God's way? Also with a view to the celebration of the Lord's Supper. What place does the cross really have in my life? You see, it's easy to contemplate and reflect upon the cross from a distance. You look at the cross and you say, that's where my Savior bled and died. And because he did, and I embraced the Lord Jesus Christ through faith, I may now rejoice in the forgiveness of sins. I may now rest assured that because I am in Christ, there is no condemnation for me. And you kind of keep the cross at a distance. But you know, Jesus will not allow us to do that. The cross has implications for our everyday life. In fact, it has implications for every detail of your life and my life. Because the cross touches the core of our very existence, of who we are. And how we think, how we speak, and how we behave. In order to understand our text, I have to tell you a little bit about the surrounding verses. Jesus is with his disciples somewhere up in the north, in Caesarea Philippi. And he asks, who do the people say that I am? And he gets a few answers. And then like a good teacher, he says, but who do you say that I am? And spontaneous and impetuous Peter on behalf of all the other apostles, he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. It's amazing. That has echoes of Psalm 2. You are my son. It's a messianic psalm. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations. And the world is your heritage. When Peter confesses Jesus to be the Christ, he's saying, "You are Messiah, the Messiah the promised one, the one whom Israel has been yearning and looking forward to for centuries. You are the one who's going to put things right in the world, in the church, in our families, in our own personal lives. And you know, Jesus is so happy with this public profession of faith that Peter makes. And so he says to Peter, Peter, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church upon people like you who make a confession like that. I'm going to build my church. And when you hear the word rock, you should hear echoes of Jerusalem that was built on a rock, and especially the temple that was built on the rock. And the Jews believe that in Jerusalem, but especially in the temple was like the navel of the earth. And heaven and earth actually met in the temple. And when Jesus takes this word rock and he says upon upon you, upon that rock, I'm going to build my church, he is already prophesying that the temple is going to have had its turn. The curtain will one day tear in two. Heaven and earth will no longer meet in the temple in Jerusalem. But heaven and earth will meet in the church, the congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what do you think Peter's natural reaction would be? Well, you remember when that one little prince got spared, his life got spared, and all of a sudden they put him in the temple, I think his name was Joash, and all of a sudden they said, long live the king! And those who were ruling at the time consider that to be treason. And so Peter's natural reaction would be as to, let's go to Jerusalem. Let's put Jesus into the temple. And let's say, long live the king. And then Jesus is going to put things right. He's going to throw out the Romans. He's going to usher in the kingdom of heaven for us. Reinstitute the old boundaries of the Davidic kingdom. Jesus knows that. And so he tells them once again what kind of a king he's going to be. He says, the Son of Man is going to Jerusalem. He's going to suffer many things at the hands of the leaders. He's going to die. The third day he'll rise again from the dead. He's saying to Peter, you know, the way that I'm going to put things right is not by being a military triumphant hero. The way that I'm going to put things right is through suffering. Suffering through death, and through resurrection. And Peter doesn't get it. He says, that will never be, Lord. Peter doesn't want a suffering Savior, a suffering Messiah. He doesn't understand how things in, are ever going to be put right in the church and in the world through a Messiah who suffers and dies. And so he disagrees with Jesus. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block for me. You see, there was a time in Jesus' life where Satan himself actually tempted Jesus to put things right in a different way than his father wanted him to put things right. He took him on top of a mountain and he says, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and he says, you know, Jesus, all you have to do is bow down to me. And you can have them all. This is how you'll put things right. But Jesus knew that the way to the crown was through suffering. It was a satanic temptation. And now when Peter, in essence, tries to seduce him to go to Jerusalem in a military fashion, he feels the same satanic temptation. He says, get behind me, Satan. Peter, your position is not in front of me. Because when you go in front of me and I have to follow you, and you want me to put things right your way, then I'm going to just trip and fall over you. And then things will never be put right. So get behind them. And then we get our text. It begins with the little word then, which clearly indicates that there's a, a temporal connection between what Jesus has just said about the Messiah and how he's going to put things right and what he says about Christian discipleship. And there's also another connection because he says, whoever would come after me. And the Greek for after is the same as the word that is translated with behind. So when Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, he picks up that word behind. And in essence, he's saying, whoever would come behind me. See, that's the posture Of a Christian disciple. It is someone who follows Jesus. Is behind Jesus. And does not go ahead of Jesus. Such a person is going to have to live live the same kind of life. As I lived. If you're going to come behind me, says Jesus. And be my disciple. You have to learn to deny yourself. And if we want to know what denying ourself is all about. Then we look at the Lord Jesus Christ. Which by the way is always a good thing to do. If you want to know what something means. You look at Jesus. And you see, if Jesus, in one way or another, embodied that concept or that value. And so did Jesus ever deny himself? Why, of course he did. Think of Philippians 2. that this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who in the form of God did not count equality with God something to be taken advantage of. But he emptied himself and he took on the form of a servant. That's self-denial on Jesus' behalf. Imagine you. Living in heaven, enjoying the purity and perfection of heaven, and then deciding to go down to this stinky earth, to leave eternity and enter into time, to leave holiness and enter into sin. To breathe in the foul stench of sin for some 33 years. And then actually die a death on the cross. And Jesus says, you know what? Even though I am in the form of God. I'm going to disadvantage myself. There you have self denial. I'm going to disadvantage myself for the sake of the advantage of my congregation, the church that I'm going to purchase with my precious blood. For forty days, Jesus is in the wilderness. Forty days he fasted. And his stomach was screaming for food. And along comes the tempter. And he looks at one of those little stones in the desert that apparently looks very much like a little bread cake. And he says, Jesus, you know, all you have to do is. You know, if you are the Son of God, all you you have to do is just change one of these little stones that looks like a little cake of bread into a real cake of bread. But Jesus denied himself. He disadvantaged himself for the sake of your advantage and my advantage. He didn't eat. Even though I think his stomach was growling. And probably had been growling for many days see him in the garden of gethsemane walking back and forth the prospect of the cross having to shoulder the undiluted wrath of god against the sin of the whole human race He's sweating blood. He could have let this cup pass him by for the sake of his own advantage. But he didn't. Father, let this cup pass me by, but not my will, not my advantage, but your will be done. The advantage of your people, your chosen people. That's number one. On my heart. So Jesus denied himself. And then on the cross. He saved others. Let him save himself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. Well of course Jesus could have come down from the cross. And you think it was fun to hang on the cross? It's the worst kind of death you could undergo. It was even illegal to give Roman citizens that kind of a death. That's how horrible it was. So come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. And he didn't. He denied himself. He took the disadvantage of the pain and the agony and the flies buzzing around his head. He took the disadvantage of the full burden of God's wrath during those three dark hours. He took it all for the sake of your advantage. And my advantage. That, brothers and sisters, is self-denial. And then we have to take up our cross. I have to dispel a little myth this afternoon. The Dutch have this saying... Each home has its cross. And I know how painful that can be. That saying means that, that every home has a great difficulty with which, which God has placed on The home, on the shoulders of that home. It could be a child who is, has turned his or her back on the Lord. It could be a chronic illness. My mother had MS for 25 years. I, I know what that's like. When there's a chronic illness. In a home. And we tend to refer to that as a cross. But that's not what Jesus means. When he says, if you want to come behind me, you not only have to deny myself, but also take up your cross, take up your difficulty." your addiction, your loved one who is chronically ill. There's the story that makes the round that there was a person who who did have a difficulty in his life. He didn't get along with his wife very well. And so he went to the pastor and he talked with the pastor about, you know, my wife this and my wife that. You know how that goes. And I I guess in the story, the pastor must have also had this understanding of the cross, taking up your cross as, as a difficulty. And so really the thing that he gave this man to take home with him was, look, look, John. You're just going to have to take up your cross and follow Jesus. So he comes home and he picks up his wife and puts her on his shoulders. And she looks down and says, John, what are you doing? Well, the minister told me to pick up my cross. You see, see that's what that leads to. It leads to absurd situations. Jesus means something different. See, cross is an instrument of torture. And the Romans had the custom that those who were condemned to die by way of the cross had to carry their own cross. And so Jesus, after having been scourged, totally weakened He's carrying his own cross on the way to Calvary until he finally has no more strength left and he collapses. And then they say, hey, you over there, what's your name? Well, I'm Simon of Cyrene. Well, you come over here and you take Jesus' cross. And you carry Jesus' cross to the place of execution which Simon did. To take up your cross means that you have to die. That's what it meant for Jesus. Jesus literally died on a cross. And if we want to be one of Jesus' disciples... We have to do the same. We take up our cross, we also deny ourselves. Which means that also we have to be willing to disadvantage ourselves for the sake of others. That's where the crunch really comes, doesn't it? Are you really willing to disadvantage yourself for the sake of others? Like Ruth, for instance. Ruth left Moab and went with her mother-in-law to Canaan, not knowing what lay in store for her. Humanly speaking, Ruth disadvantaged herself for the sake of the advantage of her mother-in-law. And Esther, for instance, who risked her life for the sake of her fellow Jews, she disadvantaged herself for the sake for the life of her fellow Jews. She was even willing to die if that would save her countrymen. And even this issue in the church at Rome, for instance, between the strong and the weak. You know, some ate only vegetables, and some ate meat and vegetables, and there was this whole thing about, well, it's a sin, you know, if you eat meat that's been offered to an idol, and so forth, and they were tossing that back and forth, and there was a bit of a mess in the church of Rome. When you're in a situation in a church... And certain members of the church consider to be something a sin. And you don't. If you want to be a follower of Jesus. Then God may just be calling you to disadvantage yourself. To not make use of a liberty that you have. Which is good in itself. For the sake of the advantage of your brother or sister, whom, whose conscience you do not want to defile. Even though if you did what you did, as such there would be nothing wrong with it. But you deny yourself. For the sake of the advantage of a brother or sister. We take up our cross. Jesus once said to his disciples, and perhaps there are others in the area, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it cannot bear fruit. And Jesus meant, unless I die, I cannot bear fruit in God's plan of salvation. But the principle or the law of the kernel of wheat is also applicable for each member of the congregation. Unless you die, unless I die, my old self that is inclined to put me first, me second, and me third, The old self that is inclined to follow the ways of the world, unless that old self dies, it cannot bear fruit. Or to use the metaphor of our text, we have to take up our cross. Our old self has to die. And we have to follow Jesus. We don't go in front of Jesus. We go behind Jesus. And that's how we put things right. Through self-denial, through taking up our cross, and following Jesus. And now the question for this afternoon is, do you want to do that? Just think for a moment of things that are not right in your life. In your marriage, between you and a brother or sister, do you really want to put things right? Jesus' way. Through disadvantaging yourself. For the sake of the advantage of others. Through dying to your sinful self. And following Jesus. And not being a stumbling block for him. Or would you rather put things right Satan's way? You know. There's a lot of things that are not black or white. But this is black or white. You either put things right Jesus' way, or you put things right in the devil's way. Get behind me, Satan, Jesus said to Peter. So, would you perhaps rather put things right in Satan's way? For instance, by standing on your own stripes... And going ahead of Jesus instead of behind him. If you do, you're not going to put things right. You really won't. In fact, things will only get worse in your own life and your personal relationships. They just will not be put right. To tie it into this morning's sermon, you're not eating from the tree of life. You're being a fool. And so am I. We're eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We'll do it our way. We'll decide. It's right, we're wrong. But perhaps you do want to put things right, Jesus way, through disadvantaging yourself. Deep in your heart, the Spirit has convicted you, and you feel, yeah, what the minister's saying, that resonates with me. That, that that really is the only way that i can put things right through self-denial and prosperity how are you going to do it how are you going to deny it how are you going to kill yourself you see it's so easy to fall back under Another law again. As I said about four or five months ago when I was here, that I give you a bag of tricks. Yeah, I I want to deny myself, so would you please give me five ways in which I can deny myself. And then you leave the church and say, well, as long as I stick to these five things, things will be hunky-dory. It's all going to work. You know, it's a bit like the purpose-driven life, you know. Purpose-driven denying yourself. Right? And killing myself. Well, Reverend, give me five little things how I can kill myself. Yeah, I'll just do it that way. You know what happens when you live that way? You're under the law again. And we've died to the law. We're no longer under the law. The law still plays a role in our life as a rule of gratitude, but we're not under the law as such. We're under grace. The law doesn't give you the strength to do anything. If I give you a bag of tricks, those bag of tricks are not magic. They're not going to give you any strength. The only one who can give you strength is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you say to yourself this afternoon, yes, I want to deny myself. I want to kill myself. Paul says, I preach no one else but Christ crucified. And that's what I want to do too. And so if you ask me, Pastor, how can I kill myself, my old self, How can I disadvantage myself? Don't ask me for a bag of tricks. Ask me for Jesus. And I'll point you to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you look at the cross. And you know what you see? You see, Jesus didn't die by himself on the cross. He took his covenant community with him on the cross. And when he died to sin, all those who were in Christ died to sin with him. Romans 6 says that our old self has been crucified with Christ. Your old self is dead. It no longer has a right to call the shots in your life. And so if you want to know How to deny yourself. And take up your cross. You look at Jesus. And you say, I'm in Christ. The whole church is in Christ. Jesus is the head. You're the body. How can the body not be in the head? Jesus shed his precious blood for this congregation. Also for the kids. They're all in Christ. They all die together with Christ. This is what baptism, the immersion in, or the sprinkling with water signifies. Every time a little baby's baptized, you hear that. Dying with Christ and arising with Christ. You look at the cross and you say, wow. Wow. I died with Christ. It's my new identity. Now I want to live in Christ. Through faith. I just want to trust. I want to trust that this is true. I want to be receptive to what the Lord Jesus Christ has achieved for me. I want to live out of his fullness. And part of his fullness also include that we die together with him, and the more you are receptive to his fullness, his fullness will just come pouring out like that. See It just come pouring into you, living water from the Lord Jesus Christ, when you are connected to the Lord Jesus Christ through trust, through faith, through receptivity to what He has done for you. You don't need a bag of tricks. You need Jesus. And you have Jesus. And you know, this is how the church is built. It really is. Upon this rock, I will build my church. And if things are not right in this congregation, and really, even though I have kids here, I'm really not up to snuff on what's all going on. If things are not right in this congregation, if this congregation really wants to be built up in the Christian faith, each and every member has to learn to live out of the fullness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And disadvantage himself or herself. Take up his or her cross. And follow Jesus. That's how you are a witness to the people of the city. That's how you experience shalom and peace and harmony and well-being and integration. That's how you are Jesus Christ. To a watching world. This is how the kingdom of heaven comes. This is how the kingdom of heaven is opened in your life. Opened in your families. Think again of the things that are not right in your family. If you disadvantage yourself for the sake of someone else in your family, that is the way things are put right in your families, in your marriages, in the church, and in the world. Also Darfur. Of course, there's all sorts of powers that don't want to disadvantage themselves for the sake of those people who are being raped and murdered and and so forth. Things will never be put right there until someone learns to disadvantage himself and take up his cross and follow Jesus. So this afternoon, Jesus asks you, and he asks me, he says, what needs to be put right in my life? Ask yourself that. Where do I need to put things right in my life? And if I look at my track record, how have I been doing this? Have I been doing this Satan's way, or have I been doing this Jesus' way? What changes need to be made in my life? And then Jesus says, go to the cross. Rest in my finished work. Be receptive to the fullness of my grace. And your life will never be the same again. Then somehow mysteriously, through the spirit of the living Christ, you just find yourself disadvantaging yourself. It's God doing it in you, through you. You find yourself taking up your cross and following Jesus. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.